Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God who is not silent, that you have spoken and you are speaking now through your word. Give us ears to hear what you want to say and help us, Lord. We need your grace to take your word in to our hearts and we need your grace to change our will so that we desire to hear and obey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. And I'd like to uh, preach today based on our passage from uh, Acts, the book of Acts, which Luke wrote. And uh, here we see the ministry of the early church and the ministry of the Apostle Paul and how at the heart of his ministry was the teaching of Scripture, explaining Scripture, because there was a conviction that Paul had And it was a conviction that was shared by his fellow Jews that God has spoken in his word, in the scriptures. God has spoken. I don't know if you remember, some time ago there was a a television commercial for Verizon, the Verizon network. And there was this guy who had thick rim glasses and he had his uh, Verizon phone and he would go around to various locations and he would say, can you hear me now? And it would be, he would be in a rainstorm or a snowstorm or the forest or mountaintop and he would say the same thing, can you hear me now? And then he would pause and there would be a reply and then he would say, good, good. And then he would move on. And the, and the commercial was saying that Verizon will give you uh, a reliable network for communications. And um, we can say that the scriptures are a reliable way that God communicates to his people. We can say, yes, God, we hear you now. You see, you can hear God now through the words of Scripture. Now, if we believe that, uh, there will be a couple of things that follow from it. There will be a couple of truths that follow if we believe that God is addressing us in Scripture, that that God speaks in this word. Number one, the Scriptures will be the final authority in how we think about God and how we live for God. The Scriptures will be the, it will settle all the issues when it comes to our theology how we think about God, our doctrine, and our practice. It must be so, because God, if he's speaking, would be the final authority, right? And um, we see that in Paul's ministry here in Acts 17. It says that Paul's in Thessalonica, and he went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, or he reasoned from them out of the Scriptures. He's using his reason, but he's not basing his understanding of God on his reason. He's using his reason to engage, to draw out of the Scriptures, the truth about God, the truth about Christ. It explains in verse 3 how he did this. He explained and proved from the scriptures that it was uh, necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. 
saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Oh, it doesn't tell us what scriptures he appealed to. I think it's safe to say he probably went to scriptures like Isaiah 53, which talks about the suffering servant of God who would be um, wounded for the transgressions of the people, who would die for the sins of the people. And Paul would have been saying in the synagogue, you see, there's a promise here. There's a promise of one who's going to come, a suffering servant, who will die for the sins of the people. And this promise, I'm telling you, Paul is saying, has been fulfilled in Jesus. That's what happened to Jesus. He died on the cross. How, how, do you, how can you make a promise without words? Every promise, it has to have words. God made promises to his people <clears throat> by his words in the scripture. I think it's important to understand that Paul was a very brilliant man. Paul was a highly educated man. Uh, he, in Acts 22, when he's on trial, he gives a little bit of his resume. He's put on trial, and he tells his fellow Jews and those who are uh, putting him on trial a little bit about his background. And he says in Exodus or in Acts 22. Verse 3, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city and educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Now, when we hear Gamaliel, we okay, what does that mean? But Gamaliel was the leading Pharisee of the day. The leading Pharisee of the day. The Pharisees were people who they... Um, sought to understand the written law of God, and then they also understood the traditions, the oral traditions about the written law of God that had been passed down from centuries for centuries. And so you had the written law of God, and you had this oral tradition about the law of God and how you apply it in everyday life. And the, the top of the class, these Pharisees who were the top of the class, they could keep all this data, the written law, the oral law, how it applies to daily life. They could keep all this data in their head and synthesize it and apply it. And the top ones were like Gamaliel. They were recognized as experts in this. And Paul was one of his star students. And it would be like, you know, somebody who graduated from Harvard Law School. And then they went on to clerk for the Supreme Court Justice. That's the kind of education and intellect Paul had. And yet, when he goes to talk to people about God, to talk to people about Jesus, he doesn't point to his own intellect and reason. He uses it, but it comes from what? It comes out of the Scriptures. Because God is the one who has to tell us who he is. God is the one who has to explain to us. His mind is infinitely greater. His being is infinitely greater than we are. You know, imagine that you went to a counselor. You show up to your counseling session, your first session. And the counselor uh, says, I have insight into who you are. We can just begin. Here's my advice. And you say, well, don't you want to hear from me? 
I, you know, well, I've skimmed some of the documents and I've heard some rumors. And so we're just going to base it on that. And I'm going to give you some feedback on the kind of person you are and what you ought to do. Well, you'd say, thanks, but no thanks. I think I'll find another counselor. Because the way you get to know somebody is through their words. And if that's the case with us who are created in the image of God, how much more is it the case with God himself? Um, And yet there are people who treat God like that. Well, here's what I think about God. Um, Here's what I've heard about God or the Bible. I've picked this up on a podcast or I've heard some people talk about it or I saw this thing about Christianity. But they haven't heard God speak for himself. They're not listening to what God has said. God is speaking now. God has spoken. It's right here. But they go on with their own speculation. We're not to do that. We're to hear what God has said. And this is important because today there are people that um, resist, in a way, the authority of Scripture. And some people will say, and I read an article about this recently, that there's a trend, especially among younger people, I believe in Jesus, Jesus is my authority, but they shy away from biblical authority. And the reason this is happening, at least one of the reasons that was given in this article, is a legitimate, it's an understandable, I should say, reason, and that is that they have seen people in the church, men in the church, speaking for God out of Scripture, abusing their authority. Abusing it. Abusing the Scriptures. Misapplying it. Mistreating people in the name of the Bible. And so... There's a trend among some young people say, I don't want anything to do with a church that talks about biblical authority. But the point of this article is that the problem is not authority. The problem is authoritarianism. Misusing the authority. And you can't have Jesus and not the scriptures. We all have to be under the Scriptures. Those of us in authority have to be under the Scriptures. If you take that authority away, then all you have is human authority and coercion. And that can lead to abuse. The people who abuse others in the name of Christ, they don't have the fear of God. They're not under the authority of God in the way that they're operating. They don't have the fear of God. And so that's the problem. Let's not throw out the authority. We're all under this. God has spoken. Jesus, throughout the Gospels, when he's in an argument with the Pharisees and the scribes, he's always appealing to what? He's appealing to Scripture. Have you not read? It is written. And then he goes on. And so, if we love Jesus, we will love the Scriptures. We will believe like the Apostle Paul and Jesus himself that God has spoken in the Word. So that's, that will be a truth for you if you believe that God is speaking in the Bible. The Bible will be your final authority. And then you will be like the Bereans who were eager to receive the Scriptures. Eager to receive it and to examine it. You look at that at verse 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in, the, in Thessalonica. Paul, or Luke is, is commending the way that these Jews handled the Scriptures, their attitude and their actions. He says, they receive the word with all eagerness. 
with zeal, that could be translated, with spirit, with forwardness of mind, one paraphrase says. It's like they're on the edge of their seat, leaning in. They're excited about what Paul is saying about the Word of God. There's an eagerness there. And then, again, they're examining what Paul has said in the light of Scripture, examining the Scriptures daily to see if those things were true, because they have this conviction that God speaks in His Word, and what is taught must line up with His Word. But I want to focus on this attitude that they had, the eagerness, the eagerness to receive the Word of God. If God has spoken, we ought to be eager to hear. Scripture, one theologian says, it summons us, it beckons us, and we are called to respond to it. And and Luke commends these Bereans for their nobility because they were eager to hear the Word of God and they were searching the Scriptures daily to hear from God. I want to remind us, and I need to be reminded of it, of how great a privilege it is to hear from God. What a blessing it is that we have the Word of God. And this is something that should stir our hearts to praise God. That we are privileged as a people to hear from Him in the Word. Uh, This is something that marks the, the people of God. This is part of the blessing, the privilege of being the people of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses is, the people of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses cannot go with them. But Deuteronomy is Moses' speech, his sermon to the people of Israel as they're getting ready to enter into the land of Canaan. And he wants, them to, re, he wants to remind them of some things. And one of the things that he reminds them of is that they are a privileged people because they have heard the voice of God. And he says it in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? God is near to us. What a great privilege, he says. And what great nation is there that has statues and rules so righteous as this law? God has privileged us with his law. And then he goes on and he says, don't forget these things. And don't forget how, verse 10, on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, and the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words. They're going to be able to hear my words so that they will learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth and they may teach their children also. And then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. And then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of fire. You heard the sound. You saw no form. There was only a voice. Don't forget that you're a privileged people because you've heard the voice of God. This is part of what it means to be the people of God, that we have heard his voice. We have received his law. We want to teach it to our children and to our grandchildren. We want to be people of the word of God. It is a great privilege that he has given us 
this word. Psalm 147. The psalmist is praising God for some things that God has done. And one of the things he praises God, he praises God for creation. He praises God for the clouds. He praises God for the beast of the fields. He praises God for snow and rain and horses. Well, he says he doesn't delight in the strength of the horse, but his pleasure or his pleasure in the legs of a man, but he takes pleasure in those who fear him. And how do we learn to fear God? Through his word. And then he says, verse 19 through 20, he declares his word to Jacob and his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. You're a privileged people because God has given you his word. They don't know his rules. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he has given us his words. And there are many people today, they're, they're still wondering, is there a God? Does God speak? They live life as if it's all up to them to determine the direction of life. They're lost. They're confused. They're wandering around, groping in the darkness, claiming to be wise, as Paul says. They do foolish things. Why? They don't have this word that God has given us. And it's only by His grace that He's given us this word. We're no better than they are in ourselves. And Moses reminds the people of Israel that time and time again. Don't think that you're better. This is grace that God has given you. His word. The word of God beckons to us. The word of God summons us. The word of God calls us to respond, to take it in, to teach it to our children. How are we doing claiming this privilege? How are we doing walking in this privilege? How am I doing? Do you have a daily appointment to hear from God? Do you have a daily appointment to hear from God in His Word? If you were sick, and the doctor said, I'm going to call you on this day, you would make sure that you would hear from the doctor on that day. Well, God is the great physician of our soul. If you were concerned about a disaster coming, then you would listen for a warning, and you would take heed. Well, God tells us, how we can escape a great disaster that is His judgment in His Word. If we were lonely and apart from the one who has our heart, like Josie and I were in college, and I would write to her. She didn't always write back to me. But she was more of a phone person. And she would wait to get that letter. Well, God is the one who loves us with an eternal love. So, do we have a daily appointment to hear from this physician of our soul? The God who loves us. The God out of His mercy who warns us. 
Sometimes we read the scripture and we don't get a, a thunderbolt of lightning. That's okay. Sometimes we just need a little light to light our path. Each day we need that light. I, I can relate, though, to what John Piper says in one of his books. I can relate to this. He said, after decades of loving and reading and memorizing Scripture, I can be lured away from times in the Word of God by something as trivial as a new computer device. The bright and shiny things. The illusory pleasure of newness can trump the superior benefits of keeping my appointment with the Word of God. This is evidence of my fallen nature. It's true. It's true of me. I can be lured away from times in the Word of God. And so, I need to ask the Spirit of God to inflame my desire again to hear from Him. To remind me of why I need to hear His Word. How, how about you? How's that going? A daily appointment to hear from God. So, if we believe that God is speaking to us in the Scriptures, the Scripture will be our final authority. We will be eager to hear it, and if we're not, we need to ask God to help us be eager to hear it. And then the third thing here is that we can expect a mixed response from people. We can expect a mixed response to the Scriptures from other people, to the message about Christ in the, in the Scriptures. You know, some of the people, it says, Acts 17.4, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Some of them were persuaded. And down in uh, Berea, many of them believed. Not all of them, but many of them believed. There was, there was more fertile soil there in Berea. So some will receive the Scripture. Uh, but then there were those like these Jewish leaders, verse 5, who were jealous. See, there was something in their heart that blocked the word of God from coming in. There was jealousy. There was pride. It was a threat to their current position, status, way of life. And that is the word of God. The word of God does call us to humble ourselves, and it does present a threat to autonomy. It calls us to trust God's word instead of living life on our own terms. And so there will be people, as we, if we are the kinds of people who are very clear that our authority is based on this scripture, um, there are going to be people who think we're crazy. And they're not going to understand us. And there will be friends who will say, well, that's, that's very odd. Or they'll think that, at least, that you, you believe in this ancient book, that God is speaking to you there. We will see family members who we care about. And we want to show them Christ through the Scriptures and, and be like Paul and explain things and try to prove things. And, and they will walk away. And they won't receive it. Because it takes God opening their heart. It took Lydia, in a previous chapter, it said the Lord opened her heart to receive the word. And so we keep praying, but we're not to give up. We keep praying, but we don't give up. It crushed Paul that the Jewish people, his brothers and sisters, did not receive this word. That many of them did not. 
It crushed him. He said in Romans 9 that he was willing to be, um, how did he put it, forsaken by Christ. That's how burdened he was, that some people would not receive it. And so this can be a difficult thing. As we, we have come, if we have come to a conviction about the Word of God, that it's the final authority, and that this is, what, this is where there's life, and, and we want to raise our children in this, and our grandchildren, and we just teach them the Word of God, and they start to depart from it, or we try to share this with friends or family, and they look at us like we're crazy. But we're called to just be faithful. And we see it here, that means that we shouldn't be surprised when there's people who walk away from it. We don't give up frame, but we shouldn't be surprised. We can be disappointed, but not crushed. Called to be faithful. The temptation would be to give up, but we must not do that. We must keep teaching and clinging to the Word. J.C. Ryle, an Anglican bishop, talks about in his book on the Bible, he says, um, you know, he's, he's trying to motivate people to read their Bibles. And he talks about a man who visited Scotland, and this was the day where the Scottish preachers were famous. And, and sometimes still today, Scottish preachers do quite well because they have that beautiful accent. But anyway, this guy went to Scotland to hear the famous preachers, and he came back to England, and he said the first preacher opened up the Scriptures and showed me the majesty of God. And the second preacher opened up the scriptures and showed me the beauty of Christ. And the third preacher opened up the scriptures and showed me my heart. And Ryle's point is, that's what the Bible does. The Word of God speaks now to those things. And we can hear it. And we can pray that God would help us to heed it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray for each and every one of us that we would be committed to hearing it each day. We need to hear it on our own. We need to hear it in community. We thank you for our church, the way that we hear scripture read. We need to take it into our lives. It is our daily bread. Help us to be recommitted to this. And if there's someone who doesn't have a daily appointment with you in your word, I pray that they would do so. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, would you please stand?